It is so very good to see you all. If you haven't had the chance to meet me, my name is Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church. Um, I'm co-pastors with my husband, Chris, who is not here this morning. He is in Washington, D.C. Um, his best friend from grad school at Duke, they um, worked, on the, worked with the football team together. Um, his son is being baptized this, week and so, this weekend, and so he asked Chris to come and be a part of that. And so... Um, we're really lucky that we get to share in this work together here and that I could do this and he can go and be a pastor with our friends. So um, thank you for allowing him to do that. There were lots of people who showed up. Thank you so much, Patrick. There were lots of people who showed up early this morning to help us set up and get ready for, to welcome all of you here this morning. So thank you to those of you who got up early to be here and help me out this morning. We're grateful for you. Um, just a quick word about the musical next week. The kids are just going to sing two really quick songs at the beginning of worship, and then they will have Horizon Kids as normal. So if you have some friends who are interested in coming to see what Horizon is all about before Easter Sunday, next Sunday is a perfect time for them to come and to bring their kids. They can watch the kids sing and then go participate in the wonderful ministry that's happening just in the cafeteria with our Horizon Kids. So we hope you'll come, and we hope you'll invite lots of people to come with you. Um, this morning, I, I was going to start with a story. Um, so when Chris and I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, we moved here from Nashville about two years ago, we had six chickens that lived in our backyard. Um, that's four of them. Aren't they beautiful animals? Um, we also had a dog that hated the chickens. Um, his name was Cadbury. He's also cute. I think I have a picture of him. Uh, yeah, the chickens. Um, and then there's Cadbury, who did not like the chickens. Maybe it'll come up in a second. Chris, my husband, he loves Cadbury. That is his dog. Like, Cadbury. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they look alike, don't they? <laughs> He's not here this morning. That's what you get. Um, <laughs> um, but like Cadbury, Chris also did not love the chickens. Um, he thought they were more of an annoyance to us than... Um, than pets. I did not think that. I treated them like pets. I picked them up, snuggled them, petted them. They each had names. Um, I knew what treats they liked. Um, I knew their quirks. I loved these chickens. I would sit in my backyard and they'd come and like sit in my lap. I just absolutely loved them. We let them out in our backyard often and they would, you know, peck around and eat worms or whatever. And one um, one Saturday morning, Chris and I were working in the front yard. We let, left the chickens out in the backyard. They were in the fenced-in backyard. And I heard this noise that was the worst noise I've ever heard in my entire life. It sounded like an opera singer hit her high, strong note, but like completely missed it, like something got hung in her throat. It was awful. I can't even make the noise that it sounded like. And I looked at Chris and I said, that's the chickens. And he was like, yes. So we like take off running to the backyard, and as we do, we hear Cadbury barking like crazy. So we found out that we tried really hard to keep Cadbury and the chickens separate, and we found out that Cadbury is in the backyard with the chickens. And so when I get back to the backyard, I'm chasing Cadbury all around. I finally pick him up. I've got him in my arms. I'm like, you're such a bad dog. Don't chase the chickens. Don't eat the chickens. Whatever you've done back here, you've scared them. And so I take him and put him back in, his, in the house, and I go back out to the backyard, and there are no chickens in my backyard. None. There are no chickens. I was like, oh my goodness, where are the chickens? And Chris is like, don't panic, Erica. Don't panic. They're probably in their safe place. They probably went to their house. And so sure enough, I went, I counted, I opened the door, I counted. There were five chickens, but I have six. I counted, I counted two times and three times. Then I started naming them Shelby, Lily, Boscobel, 
Oh, Boscobel is not here. Boscobel is not here. And so we let them out in the fenced-in backyard because chickens can't really fly that well, so they're not supposed to be able to fly over a seven-foot, eight-foot fence. Um, but, you know, if a dog that doesn't like me is chasing me, I would probably also muster all my strengths to get over the fence and away from that dog. So um, I, we, we begin to, Chris and I began to speculate that Boscobel has flown over the fence to escape Cadbury because she wasn't in our backyard anywhere. So um, we spent the next couple hours of our lives on a wild chicken chase in East Nashville. I was like knocking on my neighbor's doors like, if you see a chicken, could you text me? Um, That's a weird thing to say to people, by the way. They do not think that is normal. Um, But after a couple hours of hunting for Boscobel, we gave up. I started to cry. And Chris told me that that's why you don't name chickens, because they don't last long. You're not supposed to get attached to them. They have little heads and little brains. He explained it all to me. Um, It was fine. So I went. We got ready. We had plans with friends that night, so we gave up the chicken hunt. I got ready a little bit early that night for dinner, and so I went out just to see if maybe Boscobel had come back home to her coop. So I walk out in the backyard, and as I throw the back fence open to look into the alley, there is this woman, and she immediately starts screaming, there's a chicken, there's a chicken, and I'm going, a chicken, a chicken, (laughs) Um, but she's like holding her dog back because my dog is, her big old dog is chasing Boscobel, who's like doing this little chicken strut, Um, and I found out she can indeed fly because she flew up on the church that's catty corner behind our house. Um, Chris has heard all this commotion. He's in the backyard now. I'm like, bring the chicken treats and a ladder. Um, We got to get the chicken off the church. Um, And so Chris comes out there. He says he's not bringing a ladder because if the chicken got up there, it can get off. We're not risking our lives for this crazy chicken. Um, And I coax Boscovel off the roof of the church. uh, And she went safely back into her home. And we had six chickens, no chicken casualties that day, which we are grateful for. But this one incident really made me begin to think differently about fences. You know, these wooden walls that we construct to keep certain things in and certain things out. So we think we can start to believe that we are safe. Yet this fence didn't really protect our family from pure mayhem. It did nothing to protect my chickens. Um, It didn't even really keep the chickens in and safe from the the things we were trying to keep outside because they just flew over the fence. The fence didn't work like I thought it would. I thought it would box my chickens out and box all of the predators out. It helped me believe that for a while, that they were safe and everything was fine. But, but in reality, right, that wasn't the case. It, it didn't actually protect my chickens from snakes and raccoons. They found their way in my backyard anyway. Hawks can fly over fences. Um, the chicken could have lost her life on her wild chicken escapade. But instead, she came back exhausted, panicked, stressed out, not very trusting of the dog anymore. But that's how fences work so often, right? We construct these things to keep us safe, and in reality, they don't work very well. They really don't protect us from the things that we expect them to. When I hit my own rock bottom in my life, a major life failure, infertility, The things of life just knocked me down all at once. I spent a week or so in hiding. I I didn't leave my house for a whole week. And I just I just holed up inside, inside the four walls of my house. Seriously, I I just I just 
stayed in my house because I thought that would protect me from all the things that I was feeling. But I began to recognize that I was operating within a box that I had built. I'd let my anxiety and fear and this need to be successful and perfect, this obsession with being liked and loved and appreciated by other people, I had let those things build these walls around my life and my heart, and it had boxed me in. I guess I thought I was boxing the shame that I fell in so nobody else would see it, and I was keeping fear and grief and pain outside of those walls, but it, it really wasn't... It really wasn't working. I realized these walls did absolutely nothing for me. And this is what I really remember is that God wanted to free me from those walls. That's not how God wanted me to live. I began to recognize that the energy I spent trying to protect myself from feeling all these things just left me feeling depleted and empty. And I just wanted these walls to be broken down so I could be free. And I'm here to tell you that I feel like God did that in my life. I know God did that in my life. Began to knock some of those walls down. And here's the great part, y'all. I believe that God can do a lot more with a free Erica who's not operating within those walls that I built. I believe God can do, I know God is doing a lot more with and in my life because I've not built a fence. And I promise you, this is the work that God wants to do in the life of every single person sitting in this room. God wants to break the walls down in your life that have you hold up, and God wants to free you up. But we're going to have to start today by being really honest with ourselves about what walls we have up in our own lives. Your wall or fence may not, your wall or fence may not be wood or cement or steel, Maybe it's anger, and everyone around you knows that and walks on eggshells because of it. Maybe it's humor, like you laugh your way through things so you don't really have to feel them. Maybe it's alcohol or some other substance that numbs you from the feelings that you feel. Maybe it's silence, like if I just don't talk about it with other people, it won't come up, right? Those things can just stay over here in the dark. Maybe it's pretending, like a serious case of imposter syndrome. I'm trying to be something I'm not to protect myself from all the things that might creep in. What are you really trying to keep in with all those walls? What are you trying not to let escape out into the world? What are you hiding? Fear? Grudges, grief, failure, pain. Do some of you have a wall up trying to keep God out? Do you have like a, a business fence, a personal life fence, and then there's this little spiritual side, and God, you can fit in that box? What walls do you have up this morning? we got to start there. The last few weeks we've been on this journey following in the footsteps of Jesus, searching for more meaning and purpose that God wants us to have. And we've done that by following where Jesus was on his ministry on the world, in the world. This week on the journey that we're about to read about, Jesus is headed in to Jerusalem. He knew where he was headed, right? He was headed to the cross and to change the world forever and ever. Praise be to God. That's where, we, that's where we're going to start this week as Jesus is headed in to Jerusalem. But before, we're not, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> this week on the journey, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to pass through Jericho. 
All of these people all over the town have heard all these things about Jesus. The word has spread, and they hear Jesus, God's son, is about to pass through Jericho, and they're like, we want to go and see what Jesus is doing. We want to go see what Jesus is about to do in Jericho. Because see, if you, if you look at Luke 19, chapter 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. 19.1, Jesus was passing through Jericho. Everyone knew about Jericho. Everyone knew, let me tell you what happened in Jericho. Hundreds of years before Jesus passed through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill this promise that God had made to the whole world. Hundreds of years before this happened, there are people who had traveled from Egypt and they were headed into the promised land and they get right on the site of the promised land. They're about to walk into the land that God promised them and their ancestors for thousands of years. And when they get there, they see this city, Jericho, and it has these walls around it. And they're like, we give up. We've been on this journey forever. We get to this point, and you really, God, you led us to a walled-in city. This is, what, this is what we have to deal with. And God told the people, hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> okay? This is, this is not the plan I had for you. What I want you to do is I want you to march around the outside of these walls for seven days. I want you to, to walk around and march and sing and dance. This is how you're going to keep moving forward. And so they did, day after day after day. They would get up and they would play their music and they would march and they would sing and, their pray, and they would pray day after day after day for six days and not a crumble, not a crack. Nothing happened to the wall. And on the seventh day, they get up and they do exactly what God tells them to. They head off around that wall and God brought the walls of Jericho down. People who were in Jericho, they knew this story, right? In the same way that when you hear the words Pearl Harbor, you knew what happened there. We don't have to explain a whole lot about it. When the people heard Jericho, they said, oh, that's where God brought the walls down. That's where the walls came down. Everyone knew this story. And all these people hear that God's son is about to pass through Jericho, and they're like, what in the world is he going to do this time? What is God going to do this time? So I want you to hear what happens. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. So there's a man in Jericho by the, by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So when I say this, it, when I say the name Bernie Madoff, does that ring any bells here? This is what Zacchaeus is like. He made his money off of cheating people out of money, and then he used the money he made to continue to support this government that was oppressing the very people that were following Jesus. So there's all these people who are excited about what Jesus is doing, but they get there, but Jesus is coming through, and there's this man who really wants to see him who's oppressing him and stealing all their money, and his name is Zacchaeus. Sorry. Um, I cannot see always with this light in my face. I'm sorry. Okay, so there's a man named Zacchaeus. Then I want you to listen to what happened. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So the people are expecting Jesus to bring down these walls. They know that's who God is. He's the God who brings down walls. They they get there. Zacchaeus is expecting this too, right? He knows this story too. And he wants to see Jesus, so he gets in a tree. There are moments in our lives where we find ourselves like Zacchaeus, right? We've done things wrong. People think we're bad. 
Bernie Madoff becomes Erica Allen or some other name. Like you, you become associated with the bad and evil things that you do, the, the hard things that you do, but you still maybe recognize that Jesus is at work in your life or around you, and you want to see a better glimpse of that. That's how, that's how I believe Zacchaeus' heart is. I've been, in that, I've been in that place before where I just wanted to see what God might do. And so Zacchaeus was like, I'm going to get up in a tree so I can see God. If you are like Zacchaeus and you feel like Jesus is doing something, you've heard all this stuff, Horizon's doing this stuff, I feel like God's at work, I feel like God's spreading love in our community. If you feel like God is starting to do some kind of work, I'm going to tell you, get like Zacchaeus and get yourself in a tree. Change your position and your perspective so you can see Jesus better. I remember one thing from my graduate school courses on the New Testament, and the one thing is that the wording of this verse um, in the Greek, might not mean that, um, that Zacchaeus was just short and had to get in a tree. It might mean people actually looked on him and saw his status as less than theirs, so they pushed him to the back of the crowd. So that's who we're dealing with, somebody who they don't think is worthy to see Jesus. Like, you're bad, you're awful, you don't have what it is to offer to the world, so just get back there. And, and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus so bad, he gets in a tree. Then I want, you to, I want you to keep reading with me. Um, verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was in the tree, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he called him by name. There were people from all over the countryside, all over the place there, but Jesus cared about Zacchaeus, and he said his name. He didn't say, hey, 30-year-old in the tree, that's weird. What are you doing up there? He didn't say that. He said, Zacchaeus. He didn't say, hey, brother, hey, tax collector. He said, hey, Zacchaeus. He called him by name. And I, I'm here to tell you that the first thing that God's going to do when he starts to break down walls in your own life is he's going to call you by name. He's going to let you know that he knows you and he loves you. He's going to say, Erica, or Ricky, or Chris, or Whitney, or Alicia, I love you, and I know you. So let's talk about those walls that you have up that need to come down. And Zac Zacchaeus got that from Jesus, right? He looked right up in the, in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down here. Let, let's put the walls down, come down here. I'm going to go spend some time in your house. Now, I want you to listen to what all these people standing around had to say. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter and complain. He, they said, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus is going to defy our expectations on this journey. People are mad right now because whose side are you on, Jesus? You're supposed to be coming to help the people on this side of the wall, and it seems like you care about the people on that side of the wall too. We don't get it. What are you here for, Jesus? And I believe in that moment, Jesus maybe looked up at God and said, I'm doing it right, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm defying everybody's expectations because Jesus came for people on both sides of the wall. When, when God, when Jesus saw Zacchaeus in that tree, he didn't just want to knock down the walls in Zacchaeus' life. He wanted to knock down the walls that were keeping people from being in real and authentic community and knowing each other. And he started that work right then. He named Zacchaeus' name. He called him down out of that tree. 
And then he showed the people who were following him, like this, this message of good news and love, I'm here for all of you. I'm here for people on both sides of the wall. You, do y'all hear this? The walls are starting to crumble. Expect Jesus to defy expectations as he knocks down walls. The people that you think are in are, are in, but the people you think are out, are, they're in too. Everybody's in. The walls, they just don't matter anymore. Apparently, Zacchaeus wasn't paying much attention to the crowd because I want you to listen to what he says. Listen to his heart in verse 8. It says, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And, I, and if I have cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Four times the amount. When you make room for Jesus... It frees you up from all the things that you've been carrying with you. It was, it was a load to carry four times the amount of, of money he had taken from people. And he was like, you know what? I can get rid of this mess that I've been, I've been collecting. Let me give it to people who need it. Let me give it to the people who I've carried it for. Half my possessions, I don't really need all this stuff. What, what do I need all this stuff for? It's just walling me in and weighing me down. Why don't I give half of this stuff to the poor? Why don't I live simpler so I can make room for Jesus in my life? When Jesus shows up to knock walls down, he's going to ask you to make room for him in your life. What does that look like? What needs to go? For Zacchaeus, it was his possessions and his money. What is it for you? Zacchaeus, this, Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek the, the, the lost. Zacchaeus, this guy who's a crook and a scoundrel, scoundrel, I can't even say the word, who's built all kinds of walls to have the kind of life that he wanted People built walls for him too, right? They boxed him in, what they expected him to be like. People are mad at Jesus for giving this guy attention because they boxed him in, walled him in, fenced him in. He was a bad person, and they didn't think there was any changing that. But God's son walked right through Jericho on his journey to Jerusalem with a craving to knock some walls down, and he wanted to continue the work that God had done for centuries to keep knocking walls down, and he did. And Zacchaeus was never the same again. He made room in his life and in his heart for Jesus. The walls came tumbling down. And Jesus said, salvation, redemption, a new story, a new day has come to this house. It has come in your life. Things are going to be different. God tearing down walls isn't just something that happened back in Jericho. It is who God is and what God does. I've seen God do that work right here in Tampa. Horizon Church is about seven months old, and before we even had our first service, we had a practice service at the Garden Club over that overlooked Bayshore. We'd not even officially started the church yet, and a woman named Katie Reamer came to the service. After the service, Katie asked me to come meet her for lunch. And she looked at me as we were having lunch, and she said, Erica, what can I do to help Horizon? I want to see this church succeed. And I'll be honest with y'all, I was preparing for a launch service, and my kid had just started preschool for the first time that week, and I felt like I was barely able to survive. I, I felt like I, I was just drowning. Ever had that kind of week where you just can't even catch a breath? I, I felt like I was honestly like hitting a wall. And in this moment, God used Katie to knock down a wall. 
So I told her, the only thing I knew she could help with at the moment, I was like, can you just invite everybody you know to come to Horizon on launch Sunday, please? Because that's what we really need. We just need people right now. And Katie looked at me and she said, Erica, I can do that. In fact, I have somebody that I've already invited. Her name is Megan. She needs this. Katie said she's been through a very tough situation, and I think Horizon is exactly what she needs. There's so much hope here. The next Sunday, Megan and her two-year-old walked in the door for our launch service. Megan's sweet two-year-old is a heavy load to carry. Um, She's sweet as candy, but that wasn't the only heavy load she carried in that morning. She carried in with her grief from a tragic accident that had impacted her family. And that grief was beginning to build some walls. And on that Sunday, we talked about how the storms in our lives will not have the last word and that God is creating a new day. We didn't say in words, God's knocking walls down, but we just used different words. The the storm will not have the last word. Patrick sang in the eye of the storm, God, you'll guard our soul. You will protect us. We don't need other walls because you can do it. God is guarding us. And it, it really was a beautiful and moving service. And Megan and I went to lunch later that week. And starting a new church is hard. I'm not even going to stand up here and pretend like it's not hard. Every week is a little bit of a struggle. But Meg and I sat in Woody's and we talked and she shared her story about how her family had lost someone they loved. And honestly, we both cried. But I left that restaurant knowing that God was beginning to crumble some walls. In that moment that I met with her, I was convinced that the vision that God had given to us here at Horizon to start a new church where people would experience light and change, and then they would participate in sharing that with a community that needs to hear it, and then they would gather every week and be inspired to keep doing that, I began to see that vision take root in Meg's heart that day at lunch. And Meg and her family, her whole family, come every week to participate in this movement and draw inspiration from our gatherings and allow God to start knocking more walls down here in Tampa. And here is how good God works. God has started to crumble those walls in her life, but God used a small group of women that started, that launched this winter at the busiest coffee shop in South Tampa. There were tons of people there every time we tried to meet. It wasn't a quiet place to meet. Um, but, But God used that small group of women to come around her and build community. One of the leaders, Linda, also had experienced grief and pain this fall when she lost someone in her family And Meg and Linda have shared this special friendship, and they've allowed God to knock some walls down in their lives. And y'all, I'm not finished. These two have started the largest small group Horizon has ever had. There are over 15 women who gather on a Wednesday morning in in the dessert spot. There's a a place in Tampa that opens early to let the women in because there are so many of them. And they meet each week to study and talk and pray. And God is using men... Linda and Meg, Minda, Meg, Linda and Meg, to lead, we might have given them a new uh, share, uh, leading name, um, but they lead, God uses them to lead this group of women, women, and God is, I'm watching God knock down more walls. Isn't that awesome, right? This is the work of God to knock walls down, but guess what? I'm still not finished. This week, that small group of women who are reading and studying together began a conversation about how they could start a reading and tutoring group in a school in our neighborhood where kids hit hit walls when they are in their education because they can't read and they don't have people that that read with them. And they have decided as a group, we're going to keep working with God to knock walls down. And once a month, we're going to go and read with kids in an elementary school starting this fall. They're starting conversations 
about that right now. Do y'all hear that? That's the God we serve, a God who knocks down walls. God is still knocking down walls. And if you have this desire to see more of Jesus, to know more about that, we want to be a place that surrounds you. We will put you up in the tree so you can see Jesus better. Horizon wants to do that. We want to work with you so that the walls in your own life will come down. But we also want you to participate in helping us tear down the walls that other people in our community are experiencing. We are the body of Christ. And this is not Jericho. This is Tampa. But God still has some walls God wants to bring down. And God wants to use us to do that work. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the walls that you bring down in our lives. We thank you for the ways that you undo our shame and free us up. It's not just a song that we sing, it's our prayer of thanksgiving to you, God. Thank you for doing that work. For those of us who need some extra courage and grace to let those walls come down, we ask you for that right now. And God, we pray most of all that you will use us to be people who help knock more walls down, that people will know about your love, your forgiveness. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Amen.